Today's episode of Expanded Perspectives is sponsored by Gaia.com. Help find your own truth by exploring perspectives you won't find in the mainstream on some of life's biggest mysteries. Whether it's grand conspiracies, breakaway societies, UFOs, ancient civilizations, lost wisdom, as well as the paranormal all at your fingertips. Stream videos anywhere from your living room or on the go with the Gaia app available through the App Store or Google Play. You'll have access to over 7,000 titles all available to you with a monthly plan for only $9.95 a month. If you sign up now, your first month is only 99 cents. There are multiple plans to choose from, including a three-month plan and an annual plan. Gaia has one-of-a-kind shows like Truth Hunter, Buzzsaw, Cosmic Disclosure, Beyond Belief, Missing Links, Hidden Origins, and Deep Space, Unearthing Nazca, and False Flags. Gaia is available on your Android or iPhone, Roku, Apple TV, and Amazon Fire TV. If you enjoy expanding your perspective, then you'll enjoy Gaia.com. G-A-I-A.com slash expanded perspectives. All one word, G-A-I-A.com slash expanded perspectives. folks and thanks again for joining us here on a waterlogged and windy podcast called expanded perspectives i am cam hale your host sitting here with wet feet and joining me across the room is el nino philly Philson. philly are you staying afloat man it is crazy i don't know if it's a combination of the monsoon season and the full moon but uh they're like yeah you're gonna get a little rain this afternoon it has felt like a tornado has set down between our houses yeah the last hour the trees across the street in paula's yard yeah those things were touching the roof i'm like (laughs) they just rebuilt that whole house somebody just spent like a hundred thousand dollars he's gonna destroy that house That would be my luck, right? Yeah. Finally save yeah. some money. I'm going to buy some rental property, baby. I'd live like a real estate baller. <laughs> Spend all the money and then boom, Mother Nature says, nope. <laughs> nope. No, you're not. Guess no, you're again. Not. Guess again. Dude. It's crazy. We've been without power. It's been coming off, coming on. We don't know how this is going to go. We're just winging it right now at this point because we're like, what happened? But yeah, it yeah. came in hard and fast around this joint. I called my wife at the house. I was like, do you guys have power? Because like the studio, the, the lights have been going off and on. And of course, every time it you know, crashes all the computers, you have to yeah. reboot you everything. Fire it up again. Firing up again. And then all of a sudden it's off again. And I think it's just from the wind, right? Yeah, it's just lines slapping together and all the because it wasn't so much the rain. It was we had some really wild wind and turned in. It's so far it's it's holding out, but we got to get this show rolling, man. It is. We don't know what the heck's going to happen, folks. We got a heck of a show for y'all today. Uh, I reached out here recently to uh, this fella, and we've talked to him off air, talked to him on air great fella for those of you that are really interested as much as we are in this whole dog man phenomenon as much as we love to cover it discuss it and kind of kick it around it's one of those things you don't know you know like me and Kyle have discussed is it skinwalker is it bigfoot is it something everybody's making up what is going on we don't know right so we reached out to a guy that has some really really interesting stories 
and brought him on to talk with us, folks. And that person is Dark Waters. Now, you can go and find his channel on YouTube. It Just search up Dark Waters. And he does an amazing job telling stories that he's received. And he gets... I mean, he's like Albert Rosales. I mean, he, 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 they just, he's like Lon. They just flood him with stories. And he goes so far that he will go and investigate these stories, go sit down and talk to the people. And not once or twice, he'll call them on the phone. He, he does his best to go through his steps to vet these stories out, to, to get the feeling that these people aren't pulling his leg. Exactly. You this know. is an, an encounter that these people have had. And so we reached out to him. was like, man, I like those stories. Like, would you? And we went to talking. And DW said, man, I would love to come on. So we're like, all right, let's do it. Let's do we it. We jumped on. And we went for a marathon of discussion, so much so that, I mean, we're not going to be able to fit it all in this whole episode, I don't imagine. But we're not going to mess around with the news today, folks. We're going to dive straight into the interview with Dark Waters. We get to talk about some wild dogman stuff, folks. So I guess without any further ado, without beating around the bush, without dragging this puppy out, let's take a break. We'll jump back in and we'll chit chat with DW. You're listening to Expanded Perspectives. folks we are back and like i alluded to before the break we were going to be talking to a very special person in this whole strange realm of stories and it's somebody that man the knowledge of the dog man and the knowledge of just the unusual oozes from this fella it's our buddy dark waters on uh dw how are you doing I'm doing fantastic, man. It's been a wonderful day. I'm excited to be here with you guys and and share some stories and kind of kind of dig deep into some of the crazy stuff that goes on in the world. Man, we are really excited. And, yeah. and like I was telling you off air, I got addicted to the your YouTube channel. It's great. I love the way you present the stories. I love the way they're all broken up. And it's one of those things that I could literally, it's one of those channels kind of like Netflix. If I get on your channel and just push play and just leave it, and just listen. I could listen for hours and hours and hours. And I really, before we go, I want to tell you how much I appreciate the work you put into it, that you put into sharing it and the work, because I know what it takes to build this content. So it's not easy. So I know you do a lot of work, and thank you for doing that and for sharing that work with us on YouTube. No, I mean, I, I appreciate it, man. It does take a little bit uh time to do it. I mean, between the phone calls with the person who actually had the encounter, then uh, then formulating it into it in a manner in which it's easily digestible and then putting the sound effects. It takes time, but I, I tell people all the time, I believe my body of work compared against any other hard narrator's body of work on YouTube, I don't think there's any comparison. And that's why I do, you know, you'll see people who have like 400 videos or 500 videos, and you see me with like 120. Because I don't think, you know, my work is so good, I don't need to put that many out every day, every other day. Because if you put your time and energy into it, it's going to sound the right way. So I, I appreciate the compliment. Well, I 100% accept it. <laughs> All right, great. Yeah. Well, and it's it's one of those things that as this has grown, and we had started a few years ago, and we interviewed Linda Godfrey, and we started talking more and more about Dogman. It seems to have grown, and for some reason, you have become a magnet for a lot of these Dogman encounters, and the area in which you live in the state of Louisiana seems to be a magnet for some some very strange dogman encounters to start with too i i can't understand why i <laughs> i don't know maybe they like it as much i know the food down there in new orleans is really good so maybe that's what it is i don't know <laughs> creole food and cajun food that's hard to beat so i guess without beating around the bush without going any further than we are i've already gone we'll get you to talk about some stories there's one that of course is one of my favorites 
about a dogman island about because a lot of people don't understand what it's like to get up into the the marshes the wetlands and into the bayou in louisiana and and just how remote and back in these areas at brackish water it really is and i think dogman island is one of those things that in the story it seems the way locals knew about it and other people didn't so can you share some about it yeah i'd be happy to share about it so let's start at the beginning um when it comes to the topic of dogman, there are several types of personalities I encounter, right? So there's the people who say, hey, I love the stories. They're scary, and they leave it at stories, right? Then there's the people who say, oh, I love the stories, Dog Wars, but I don't believe them. And they say, I think you're lying. Then there's the people who say, I love the stories. I believe them. I'm going to go looking for dogman. This gentleman who did this was one of those people. And he started listening to Dogman shows and trying to kind of trace back, you know, where these encounters were based on these the shows, the interviews and everything that was going on. When he and I first spoke, that's what he told me. He said, hey, man, I know that you have um, a number of stories about Dogman. I'm wondering if you'll be willing to disclose any of the locations. My immediate answer was, no, I'm not going to be held responsible for you getting your head ripped off. I'm not doing that. I said, if you don't believe it's true, that's fine. Um, if you do believe it's true and you want to go looking for something like this, then there is something mentally wrong with you. And I, I went into my story about how I made the mistake of going up to Mississippi to meet with a guy and how I had my encounter. And I was like, ever since I've had that happen to me, I just can't see anybody else doing it. So the guy says, well, I'm going to look and I'm going to continue to look. And so I don't hear from him for a little while. And he finds out about this place outside of Morgan City, deep down in the swamps and the marshes, and he decides he's going to go. Now, here's the crazy thing about Dogman. Again, I've never seen a topic where people are so fanatical. I don't know, and I think I've said this before, I don't know if it's something that's ingrained genetically in our DNA. Maybe, um, maybe you know, before there were lights, before there were cars, before there was, while we were sitting around a fire, um, these creatures hunted us. These creatures were a threat to us. So I don't know if it was, you know, just this genetic trait that's been passed down. Maybe it's a genetic fear, um, uh, genetic auto response that we have as human beings that's been passed down to us since the days when we were sitting around a fire um, with torches and didn't have the modern conveniences that we have today where this thing was a threat to us ingrained in us. Because I believe that uh, as human beings, our DNA, we do have things genetically ingrained in us that these lessons that pass on from generation to generation. And I think that may be the peop- our fascination as human beings when you start seeing the werewolf movies and the werewolf stories and bada bing, bada boom, all that stuff. But this guy makes the mistake of being curious. He wants to go see it, but he's not prepared to go see it. The same mistake I made. I wanted to go see it. I didn't quite fully believe it. And then I bit off more than I can chew. So he goes down... Um, down south of Morgan City, he starts kind of fishing around, talking to people, and um, runs into this young man who says, hey, you're the guy that's looking for the Rougarou, because they didn't call it Dogman, and to this day, we really don't call it Dogman down here. We call it Rougarou. Mm-hmm. You're the guy looking for the Rougarou. And he says, yeah, you know, I'm looking for the Rougarou, and he thinks that this kid is playing him. The kid's asking him for money, and uh, and he's like, you know, I'm not going to let this little kid beat me out of my money, dog. You know, it's crazy, but I figured, you know, I'll give him a couple of bucks to see what he has. Kid shows him some pictures and gives him the GPS locations of this place where Dogman is supposed to transverse this island, literally swim through the water, transverse this island every evening. So he gets a boat, goes out, and he posts up right in the channel, the canal. And if you, you guys have been out in the water in the bayou, you know sometimes there's these wide canals and then sometimes they narrow off mm-hmm. and if mm-hmm. you've ever been in there you know how you can get in there and get twisted and turned and lost this gentleman first of all he went off onto the island and, and did what he wasn't supposed to do which is walk around on it comes back out drops anchor and sits and he wants to wait until dark so he can see these creatures well the shrimp boats are passing going in and um Every other fisherman seems like in a regular boat, seems kind of panicked to get out of the area. And so um, there's one guy, like right when it's getting dark, there's one or two guys that are flying towards him on their boat. They have their lights on. And he notices that, you know, they, they veer around away from the side of the island, around his boat, away from the island. 
and they have their lights on and they're pointing towards the island. He turns, looks towards the island, and that's the very first time he actually sees this dog man standing, um, standing there on, the, on, the, on land. And the crazy thing about it is, in between that time period, he was kind of fumbling with the anchor, so his anchor's not set anymore. And if you've ever been in a boat, and if somebody speeds by you, they leave this huge wake. So he's telling me, he says, Dark, you know, these guys flying by me, and the wake from their boat starts pushing me towards the island. And he's like, I'm, I know I'm moving in that direction. I'm looking over there, and I see these creatures. He's like, so now... You know, what I thought I was in a safe area, I wasn't safe anymore. He said, so now I'm freaking out trying to pull the anchor out of the water and get it all the way up so I can crank up the boat and go. Well, he's struggling to pull the anchor out of the water, finally gets it up on the boat, goes back around to the backside of the boat, cranks it up, and he can now hear the creatures growling. Like, he can hear this low, rumbling, strong growl, which lets him know he's way, way, way too close to this island than, than he wanted to be. So he clicks on his little front light and swings the boat in that direction so the light can light it up. And that's when he discovers there's one on the island standing there. There are two, and I don't know if I even said I don't know if I said it right in that story because I think I made that right. There were two wading out into the water towards him. Mm. He uh, speeds, he, he literally cuts that boat as hard as he can, speeds off, heads back. And this gentleman, when I say, and I can't use the language that he used, but his exact words were, I did not stop moving, not stopping, like literally, I did not stop moving until I was halfway home. And this guy was from, um, uh, da, 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 da. he was from north of Arkansas. He did not stop moving till he was halfway home, meaning he drove the boat back, parked that boat, got up, got in the vehicle, started driving the vehicle, and kept driving because that's how afraid he was. And kind of like the inside baseball, you know, there's these questions that I ask people, you know, when they do stuff like this, you know. There are some people who have encounters with strange things and they react like a normal person should. You know, they don't go, number one, go looking for anything like that. Number mm-hmm. two, if they have an encounter, you know, they show this um, reverence and respect for it. In his case, he just was reckless and went looking for something that everybody is, you know, knows there has to be some truth to it because you just don't have this many people encountering unless there is some truth. So my question to him is, I said, hey, you know, out of all the things you've done in your life, do you think this was the stupidest thing that you've done? And, you know, in essentially, in, in all essence, I'm calling him stupid, but I'm posing it as a question. And I said, do you think this is the stupidest thing you've done? And he gets quiet and a very prideful man. He says, you know, I understand that you're calling me stupid right now. <laughs> he said, but I can, I'm going to be honest with you. This was the stupidest thing I've ever done. And so I go into the emotions because one of the things of, capturing the story is gathering and garnering all the emotions that the person goes through. So I take him through this kind of pacing and leading process where I drag him back through the encounter. This is another way how I tell if you're lying or if you're telling the truth, because if you're telling the truth, what happened to you is ingrained in your mind. You're going to relive it. You're going to feel it. You're going to smell it. So I start dragging him back through the encounter. The first time I drag him through it by saying, hey, and he said, man, I felt like I had accomplished something. And I was like, really? You know, what did what did it mean to you? He's like, you know, it meant that I followed through with, with my mission, which was to come and search these things out. And I said, well, how did you feel when you first saw the print? And, you know, tell me about the print. So he went to describing the print, which I've heard the description a number of times. And he described it nail on head, um, the indention from the back hock. He described the, uh, the pad. He described the actual, and it was mud. So he actually described the the indentions from the claws on the feet and how those indentions were three to four inches away from the pad, right? I mean, three or four inches away from the toe prints, which are in front of the, the base of the pad. I mean, he gave the description to the T. Now, can someone kind of hear some of the other stories I've done and came up with that? Absolutely. But what really hit home with me was when I started to ask him questions about when he really first laid eyes on it, I said, I'm going to take you back to the moment. The guys fly past you in the boat. That light is in your eyes. The guy's pointing at the island. You are in the process of turning your head to look and see what he's pointing at. I said, when you laid your eyes on that, because, and because of the light that was shining from that boat, and I said, I know what you experienced because you only had a split second of light to where you can see this. And he was like, well, how do you know? I said, because I can see what's going on in the story. 
I said, so you got that very split second of light that's shining on this thing as you turn. What was the emotion you felt? And he said, well, what went through my mind was it's an effing werewolf. And then he said, the next thing is <laughs> it's real. And he said, from that point on, he said, I wasn't even considering, you know, that they were there. I was considering getting out of there. He said, and that's when I started pulling up on anchor and yanking on anchor. And he said, man, I never pulled the rope that fast in my life. And he said, I knew I was drifting towards them. And I said, well, how did you know you were drifting? He said, I felt the intention and the intent of these creatures. And, you know, when you talk to someone about their encounter and you really pull at the strings of it, it's amazing how people describe things. And so he goes into his description of the intent. He says, he says, you know, when someone's looking at you in a crowded room. And I was like, yeah. He said, you know how you can feel that person looking? I was like, absolutely. He said, well, it's that times 100. He was like something and someone is looking at you, but it's almost like you can actually feel them reaching out to you. He's like, that's how intense the danger was that I felt. And I said, man, you know, that must have made your heart race. And he's like, no, man, it did just make my heart race. He said, I almost, you know, he almost pissed my pants. So yeah. he go through all these descriptions, um, which is a part of doing the interview with the person. And uh, you kind of inject these little things into it to see how they react to it. So I said, well, okay, well, how did, how did it make you feel once you had cut that boat and you actually saw that there were two in the water waiting towards you? And he said, man, that's when I realized that I was about to die. And the only thing that he said, the only thing that went through my head was I was going to die over something that I did not have to do. I could have just took it as entertainment and enjoyed it as entertainment. I was going to die over something stupid. And that's when he started talking about the fact that when he got back home, he started burning everything and he let his obsession go with this creature because he realized that, hey, you know, I could have not made it back from that. And I told him when we first talked, I said, man, you know how many people have called me and told me they're going to look for dog man and I'll call them back a month later and that phone is disconnected and I can't get in contact with them on a number. I said, now, some people are not paying their phone bills. I mean, some people, I mean, somebody's on went somewhere and got eaten. And he was like, well, you think so? I was like, yeah, they went somewhere in their lunch. You know, so um, that's like the ins and outs of that story. And then it kind of gives you guys the base for how I created it and how it turned out to be what it was. And it really is his emotions that I capture in the story. Well, and that's the that's the perfect thing, too, is I think that's the thing that people need to need to focus on is what everyone you know that reports on these things needs to focus on is like we've discussed is it doesn't necessarily mean you know one way or the other but it, it has the same effect on that person whether what they saw was exactly what they're reporting or what they thought they were were seeing either way it has the exact same effect now you told a story that took place with a father and a son on a hunting trip and it had that same effect on the mother i remember that whole thing of talking about seeing it as mm -hmm. because it's like this thing had a memory of it getting done wrong and then it came to look for what had done it wrong absolutely and in that particular case um the way the mother came into the equation was she was innocent bystander she's in the house the husband's back it follows them home she's in the house and the husband's going towards the back window she happens to be the person who's facing that window and actually sees uh, the dog man behind her husband and she completely freaks out now i don't know how much i've ever told about the mother in that situation um let's let, and let's jump into that so when, when i talk to people about their encounters right there are people who have an, a solo encounter Right. And that gentleman who has the or person who has the solo encounter, you kind of got to dig with them to get everything out of them, all the emotions. Mm -hmm. Well, typically, the way you know if that person is telling the truth is their significant other has had some type of effect in their life based on what happened to their spouse. Right. In the case of this father and son, where the son accidentally and the son really did accidentally shoot the thing um, and it followed them home. The son wasn't as talkative as I wanted him to be. He's kind of talking in the background, and we talked a little bit. And he's like, I like your work, but, you know, I really don't want to talk about it. The dad was very, very talkative. It was the wife who didn't really want to talk at first. And then once she opened up, it really gave me an idea and a sense of how real this threat was to them. Because it, men and women express emotions differently, right? Um, 
And I can honestly say the father in the story was trying his best to, you know, to be brave and say, you know, I want to protect my family. And I'm sitting there listening, thinking, you know, dude, you can't protect yourself from a werewolf, a walking wolf, bro. I'm sorry. That's nothing you can do. Like he could have ate all y'all if he wanted to. Exactly. He literally could have. You know, if it wanted to kill you, it could have killed you. And it came to send you a message because you mess with it. It's coming to mess with you. And and in that case, it decided it was going to leave them, leave them alone. But when she started expressing her emotion, it was it was um, I guess the way to describe it is not surreal. It would it really it really hit home with me because she expressed her emotions as a woman, as a mother and as a wife all at the same time. As a woman, she was afraid um, and, and not saying women are fearful because being this politically correct world where people try and take things out of the way. But as a woman, she was afraid and she wanted her husband to protect her. As a mother, she was afraid for her child because she realized it was a real threat. And as a wife, she was angry with her husband because this was happening. And you guys know how women are when they get to roll it. I mean, all of this is just spilling out during that conversation. And I'm like, wow, this really, really happened to these people. Um, and again, you know, we can go into what the creature looked like. We can go into what the creature did. We can go into the creature, go into the neighbor's house and killing his dog. But at the end of the day, what I focus on in, our, in creating the stories and making them sound in the presentation sound the way it is, is actually what the people went through. And that family was completely and totally traumatized. And another similar situation where um, there was a dog man that was on these people's roof. And this thing, and I didn't even go really, really deep into this one. I just kind of did it quickly. This thing was on these people's roofs, and I, I want to say this was uh, not Pratt's Christiane. It, it's in Mississippi. The thing is on a roof every night for a week, walking on their roof. And it's not it's not like, you know, the Bigfoot um, dog man, the one that has the regular normal human being legs. It's actually a little skinny, mangy, and that's the way they describe it. Skinny, mangy, skinny, wolf-like looking creature like it was malnutritioned and malnourished. But it's just walking on their roof, literally walking on the roof. And the encounter happens where one of them is coming home and it's underneath their um, they park their car underneath their house. It's literally in the, the little space underneath their house where they park the car. So you imagine pulling into your driveway and you're pulling up under your house because you're parking on your house. Your headlights are on and there's this creature standing there. And what are you supposed to do? Um, and in that case, that creature did everything it could to intimidate them, intimidate that family. And once it had intimidated the male of the family, it went on about his business. So and for him as a man, I dug in with him and said, you know, we're men. Right. And he's like, yeah, so, you know, we believe in protecting our family. You know, how did it make you feel to realize that you couldn't protect your family from this thing? And he never admitted it. He said, I could have killed it. I could have killed it. And I said, well, you do realize that if it's one, it's probably more than one. And so I circled back and this was kind of wrong and it may have been kind of bad of me to do it this way, but I really wanted to get to the emotion. I said, well, how did it make you feel to realize that there's nothing you can do to protect your family? And I said, there are situations where as men, there's nothing we can do. I said, have you ever been through a, a Hurricane Katrina? You know, a lot of people who couldn't do anything to protect them, their families. They did the best they could, but the situation just was something that was abnormal. There was nothing that that person could do. He's like, no, there's nothing that's going to stop me from protecting my family. And after about two weeks of talking, he finally broke down and said, you know, man, I, I feel like you're trying to emotionally break me. I said, no, I'm not trying to emotionally break you. I'm just trying to get to the base of the emotion. And he said, you know what? I realized that there was nothing I can do, but I was going to try and do everything. Um, <clears throat> people hear the stories, but they don't. The, that's the dirty background behind the stories. And if you want to get into the dirty background behind what Dogman is and all the rest of that stuff, you know, I can give you guys my personal opinion. Um, I tell people all the time I didn't kidnap one and I don't have them duct tape up in a trunk. But <laughs> but I can tell you this. I really believe that there's two different um, origins of these creatures. And one of one of those, um, the, the knowledge of one origin comes from the few conversations I've had with Steve Quayle where he talked about um, – uh, the fallen angels breathing and corrupting everything that God created on this planet, including the animals um, and creating these hybrids. And then the other one is I know for a fact that our governments do genetic modification programs. They do genetically modify animals. Um, 
And that's that's finally coming out in the news. And I'm finally a lot more comfortable talking about it because a lot more of it is being spoken about. So I think we're dealing with two different things. I think we're dealing with this um, this creature that's been around for a long time that I know that there are people who are out there who hunt for DNA samples of exotic creatures. And um, that example has been taken has been genetically modified. And I think that explains the one thing that doesn't make sense to me about Dogman altogether. The kind of uh, the variations where there's these kind of upright walking dog, German Shepherd or Timberwolf or um, all those kind of make sense to me. But when you get into the one that's that people call like the super soldier or the uh, Bigfoot dog man, mm-hmm. where it's a Bigfoot body with a head the size of a car tire, the most aggressive one um, by far that I've heard stories from people about. I believe that that one was probably genetically altered and made in a lab somewhere um, and probably got brothers and sisters in little test tubes. And he's a test tube baby. And it's one of those. It you it's you don't want to think that, you know. As 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 a citizen of this country, you don't want to think that these things are going on or that this is a possibility, because you start going down that, and then it will that fear will creep up on you. It will start finding a way into your life. But it's something that you need to be aware of that could possibly you could possibly have an encounter. I remember you talking about yours. That's another thing that I appreciate is when you talk about the emotions that these people have that you pull out of them, you can pull from the emotion you had with what you saw. Would you share your encounter with us? Yeah, I mean, I'd be more than happy to share my encounter with you guys. You got to you have to forgive me once I really get to reliving it because it still bothers me to this day. Um, like you go that we have to go back to when I first started the channel. Um, and how I started the channel. I started the channel by emailing and, and reaching out to my network of friends, which is very extensive. I mean, people all over the United States, people all over New Orleans, I mean, people in other countries, and and trying to find out about different paranormal encounters. And when it came to Dogman, I wanted to start doing Dogman. I said, well, let me send a specific email about this out and see if anybody has anything. The the majority of the replies were like, what? What the hell are you talking about? Like, come on, dude, like you're tripping. Mm-hmm. But then a friend of mine hooks me up with a guy who's a transmission line, uh, not transmission, a distribution line uh, worker out of Mississippi. And this guy tells me his Dogman encounter. He goes into how he was on his bucket truck and he was trying to repair uh, a line. And he ends up being surrounded by these creatures. And I go through the whole process with him. I create a story. And he and I start talking. And he kind of gives this open invite for me to come in the daytime and kind of go back to the area with him. Well, I think I was getting ready to do my interview at Coast to Coast AM or right before. And I was like, well, you know what? You know, I got this big interview coming up. I'm going to go out here. And this is when I was like, oh, I'm going to investigate every story. So I'm like... I'm going to go out here and I'm going to investigate the story. I'm like, uh, looking back on it, I'm like, no, 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 no. You should have never even did that. But, <laughs> at, you know, starting off, I yeah. was like, I was hype. I'm like, yeah, we going, it's going down. Right, yeah. I'm going to investigate these stories. Let's do it. Like, I'm, I'm ready to run. I'm ready for this. I get, yeah, I get up there and he and I go to have some breakfast and we talk and we start riding around on Old Taylor Road, Mississippi. And, you know, he's just telling me about all these different encounters that people have had over the years. And he's saying, well, this guy over here in this area has had Bigfoot eating his chickens for like the past 10 years. And this lady over here saw a dog man through a wind. So he's just going over all the encounters. And I realized that just through that general area, it's like a bunch of strange crap that happened. I mean, he told me stuff about these flying shadows that people were seeing, like stuff that I never talked about that he told me. And so that's how the day is going. He and I are really, really building rapport. And we were actually becoming pretty good friends during these conversations because he's like, yeah, you know, you're a big guy that you play football. And I'm telling him old football stories and just crazy stuff, you know, and it, we kind of the two of us kind of get off the whole topic. And when we get to the spot of his location is getting to where it's about to be dark. And when we get out of the car, we're really not even um, when we get out of the car, minds are not really there. It, we didn't kind of shift back into the mode of this is something dangerous till we're out there and we're on the road and I'm starting to go through the process of making him relive it. 
And the minute I started going through the process, he starts shaking. And you can physically see that this man is traumatized. So much so that I'm like, okay, this is not a good idea because this guy's really, really traumatized behind this. And he says, well, you know, we really got to get out of here before the sun goes down. I'm like, keep me guys, mind, guys. I'm a city guy. Like, I'm, I go fishing and all the rest of that stuff like anybody else down here in New Orleans. And I haven't been out there crawfishing and all the other stuff. But I've, overall, I'm a city guy. And I didn't really have any clue or idea how quickly, you know, the time flies and that sun, once it starts getting behind those trees, mm-hmm. how quickly it gets dark. I just didn't. And so he's kind of freaking out. Like, he really, really is freaking out. And I'm like, nah, bro, we cool. We got sunlight. We got this. And I, the one thing that sticks out to me, and I'll never forget, is the blackbirds, the crows. It, it was like two crows landed on, on the distribution line, right on the little cross arm, the wooden cross arm. And they just start just squawking, like just squawking. I'm like, yo, what, what's up with these birds? And they like looking at us and squawking. And I'm like, yo, what, what they doing? I kind of felt like they were talking to us. And I'm like, man, what's up with the birds? And he was like, we need to go. We got to so get like out of here. Out. You can hear me? Yeah, like he's a, he's telling y'all that y'all got to get out of there. And, yeah. and you're just like, no, we're fine. I said, ask a few more questions. <laughs> <laughs> and so, again, and I can honestly tell people, you know, people try to use this game. You're like, don't water's never bleeding, dog, man. Yeah. Hey, man, I believe that it was possible up until that point, but I had to go see for myself. So... You know, we're standing there. I'm going through the, the questions of him. These things are squawking. They're aggravating me at this point in time because I'm thinking about picking up something and throwing at them, and then they fly off. And then we start hearing noises in the woods. And when I say noises, it literally sounds like bulldozers coming through the woods. And I can't even simulate the sound because I never heard anything like that. I, I never heard anything like that. And he is walking while I'm talking to him. I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation with a person and you're kind of distracted. You see that movement out of the corner of your eye, right? But he's walking off, and I'm standing there talking. I'm like, yo, what is that? And he's walking away. And I'm like, what is that, man? And he was like, you need to get in the truck. I was like, what is that? And he's like, well, they're about four or 500 yards away. You need to get in the truck. And I'm like, what? And I'm just, what is it? Because now I'm freaking out, and I'm really getting afraid. And I'm not, I'm a grown man. I'm not scared to tell anybody I'm afraid. Any man on this planet, I will give you a run for your money. But, you know, some paranormal stuff, I'm not playing with it. So I start to circle around and I'm thinking that, okay, I'm going to go ahead on the passenger side of the truck and I'm going to get in halfway in and be ready to rumble. So I'm on the passenger side of the truck and he's on the driver's side. The side of the street where they're coming from is on the driver's side. And I'm kind of looking around that little back bed of the truck trying to see what's going on, leaning. I got the door rested up against my butt. And I'm like, well, what is it, man? What is it? He was like, look, we need to get in here and go. Well, the noises start getting louder, 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 louder. And next thing you know, he's gone. Boom. <laughs> like he's pulled off. And you guys, you got to remember, like, I'm not in the vehicle. Both of my feet are on the ground. Actually, at one point in time, one of my feet was in the truck. But it wasn't like in like, it was, you know, had the little, I guess, the little step board on it. I yeah. guess you call them like the step board. One of my feet is on there, but it's not in the vehicle. It's on a step board. The door is on my big old behind, and boom, he's gone. And I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, this man done left me. Like, he's gone. The door, I'm looking at the the lights, the back lights of the car. I'm looking at the cabin light being on. I'm looking at the door kind of swinging back and forth as he's gone. He's and he's just gone. gone. He just took off. Took off. I mean, gone. And, and, and so now I'm standing there, and... It's quiet. I mean, it really is quiet. And I've been in the woods at night. You know, my family's from Mississippi. And, uh, you, I, you know, I've spent plenty of time in the woods. Not enough to where I can say I haven't wanted to go hunting anything. But the woods is, is, is not, you know, it's not something that's going to terrify me. But anytime I've been outside at night in the dark in the woods, there's noises. Something, right? There's nothing. I mean, nothing. I mean, it's almost like... um. It's almost like some kind of movie or a video game. I mean, it's nothing. No crickets, um, no crickets, no locusts, nothing. No, the nothing. Frogs. Nothing. You imagine being in a quiet room except for you're outside and it's dark. That's how it is. And so I'm standing there, and, and now my body starts to react. Um, my muscle starts getting tense. I start, you know, 
I start to get this kind of light, 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 light kind of sweat on my skin where it's, 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 um, I guess you can describe it as you're getting clammy. And I feel this presence that there's something there. And I know this sense, I know this feeling and I know this sense because I grew up in New Orleans and I grew up in situ and I've been in situations where like stuff just pops off and there's this, this, this sixth sense, sixth sense that you develop when you're in danger. Like I, even here, you guys were in New Orleans, we were out hanging out on Bourbon Street. We might be walking down the street. I'd be like, Hey, 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 we need to go. Y'all be like, yo dog, you tripping. Five minutes later, somebody <laughs> starts shooting. You develop it from being in those kind of environments. And so now those senses are kicking in that, that radar is kicking in saying, yo dude, you're in danger. And then it intensified like nothing I ever felt before. And when I tell you, I'm, I'm talking about I haven't been next to people who got shot in the head, like all kind of crazy stuff I could tell you growing up. But this intensifies to a level that I've never felt before to the point to where I'm standing there. I take one step forward because you got to remember, I was on the side of the street. I take one step forward to where I'm like in the middle of that lane. And I'm like, only thing I can do is defend myself. So I square my feet up and I spread them and I dip my knees. I hunch my shoes and I raise my fist. Now, at this point in time, I'm like, yo, whatever's coming out of this woods, I'm going to have to fight it. But then my bladder starts kicking in and I feel like I got to use the bathroom. <laughs> and not like, not like, you know, ooh, I feel like, no, I'm about to, you know, pee on myself. It kicks in and, and never, that has never happened to me before where it's like, like, like my body was just like, okay, we too stressed. We need to empty our bladder. And just as I, all this stuff is going on, and I'm, I'm like, yo, something's there, and it's coming. And I can feel the intent. I hear his brakes start screeching. I mean, and it's the loudest sound I ever heard because it's so quiet. It's like, Aah! and I'm, I can tell he's slamming on his brakes. And then you just hear his engine revving. It's like, and it's this long, just long rev. Like, he just put the floor to it and held it down, right? And within seconds, you see those headlights coming back around this kind of curve that he turned. And as he's coming around and this guy's flying, I mean, he's flying around. Uh, my head is positioned to where I'm looking towards the light, but uh, my eyes are darting back and forth. And so as he gets closer, the light starts illuminating these trees on the other side. And when I tell you whatever this thing was, the size this thing was, was, I would say, seven to eight feet in the air. It moves from behind one tree to the next tree. Like it moves, it's pitched and it's black like this, black, 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 black fur, and it moves, boom, quick. And he pulls up right in front of me, slams on the brakes to where he's sliding, and he ends up like literally in front of me, screaming at me with his driver's side door in front of me, screaming at me to get in the truck. I go through and I tell people it's funny, but it really is. It wasn't funny that time, but I'm trying to hop in the bed of the truck because I'm not running around the other side of the truck. And I couldn't get in the bed of the truck, so I kind of run, hit the back tire, hop in like I'm on Mountain Monsters or something, <laughs> and I just lay down in the bed of the truck, and he pulls off, right? We get back um, about two miles away. He pulls over. I get in that vehicle, and when I tell you I light into him, I mean, I light into him. I'm like, and I'm not going to use the language. I'm like, dude, if I had a pistol, I would shoot you because you just left me. And he was like, you know, he's kind of like in shock looking at me. His eyes are bucked. And so I'm, I'm, I'm about, this is about the second most angry I've been in my life. And he just breaks down. He says, Hey, calls me by my real name. He said, man, I thought you were in the truck. And I could see in his face that he really was so afraid. He, he said, man, as soon as I realized that you weren't there, I hit the brakes. He said, cause I started talking to you. And when I looked over, you weren't there. He said, I slammed on the brakes and I came back to get you. And I realized, you know, you can tell when somebody's lying to you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can really, really tell. And under those circumstances, that man wasn't lying to me. He really, really wasn't. Skip was not lying. He was just being genuine. And so we get out of the area. And so this is part of stuff that I never told anybody. So you get out of the area, you go for drinks. And so now he's saying, hey, well, what did you see? What did you feel? And so I'm going through what I saw, what I heard, and what I felt. I said, well, first of all, I didn't hear anything. And he was like, Yeah. He said, that's about right. You know, he said, when they were surrounding me, before they came, or when they, he said, before they came, it started getting quiet. He said, then I heard them coming, then it went quiet again. He said, and it's like, he says, almost like you're in a vacuum. I said, yeah, that's how it was. He's like, that's because everything left the area 
because they were there. And I'm like, I've never experienced anything like that. So we go back and forth about what I experienced. And I tell him about what I saw from the lights. And I said, man, maybe my eyes were playing a trick on me or maybe, you know, I was panicking. He was like, no, your eyes weren't paying a trick on you. He said, you were at your senses were at the highest point that they've probably ever been. He said, you were in primitive mode. He said, things are going to come to you that you're not going to realize. You know, he said, they're going to come back to you over the next couple of days because that's what happened to me. And they started coming back. And he was like, well, tell me what you saw. And I told him I saw this huge black furry mass move from uh, from left to right, uh, from one tree to the other. And he was like, Did, could you tell if it was an ear? Was it a head? I said, man, I can't tell you what it was, but I know it moved. And then that night he said, well, what did you smell? I said, man, I don't remember smelling anything. I said, I remember tasting like I remember tasting like iron in, 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 you know, in my mouth. And I was like, it's like this. And he was like, no, that's because your blood was pumping so fast. He was like, that's your body in fight or flight mode. He's like, you were ready to fight. He's like, so you're tasting um, this in your mouth. He said, your adrenaline was high. And then about two days after that, I called him back. I said, hey, man, you know what? I do remember smelling something. And I said, I remember smelling blood and urine. And he was like, yep, that's them. That's them. And I said, wow. Hmm. And over time, stuff started coming back to me. Just little bitty, bitty, bitty small stuff that um, that just, I, I guess my brain couldn't process it at that point in time, but it saved it. So when I talk to someone about their encounter, the reason why I try and go through that long process of pulling stuff out of people is because I know that there's these little bitty minute details that when you're in the moment, your brain records them. You feel them and you experience them, but you're so afraid or you're so amped up that it just doesn't register. You know, you're too concerned about survival, and mm -hmm. that's pretty much where I was. So I say all that to everybody listening who decides that they're going to go look for dog man, dog man. There is no need to be an idiot and go out looking for it. I mean, there really is. Like, I can attest to the fact that doing it just for – I didn't sleep for about three weeks after that. Like when I say didn't sleep, not like I just stayed up all night, but I mean like I would go to bed, have the a nightmare about it, wake up, go to bed, have a nightmare about it, wake up. You know what I'm saying? I would, you know, mm -hmm. have a glass of wine to settle my nerves to go to bed. And I'm not a drinker. I'm a cigar smoker. I don't drink at all, really. But I start having to have a glass of wine to go to sleep. You know, and if I had, you know, had I been somebody that drunk like uh, like moonshine or something, man, I turned to an alcoholic. So um, <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's one of those things that where you just. Don't put yourself in that situation. Well, DW, thank you so much for taking time to come on yeah. here. Would you tell everybody if they want to send you something where they can find your work? Give everybody, drop all your knowledge where they can find you at. Um, you can find me on social media at Twitter at uh, DarkH201, Facebook at DarkH201. If you want to hear the best stories in horror, and I promise you, you can believe me on this. If you want to hear the absolute best stories, the most attention to detail, go to imdarkwaters.com, sign up, become a member, and you will hear some of the most frightening, intense stories that uh, that you, you've ever heard in your life. In fact, these gentlemen, I'm going to give them a few stories to uh, for themselves to have some of the premium content. I promise you guys you're going to love it. Well, we appreciate it so much yeah. for the work you put into it, for the vetting of the stories, for the talking to the guys, and for going out there, even though you probably shouldn't have, and seeing one on your own, man, which is not something that I'm down with at all. So I'll just have to take your word for all of that stuff. Yeah, that was that was dumb. That, that was real dumb. I, I'm, I have no problem saying that was a big dummy. You remember Fred Sample used to call his son a big dummy? If Fred Sample was, he was like, you big dummy. <laughs> that would be me. DW, man, thank you so much. Keep doing what you do. When you get, we'll get you back on again, yeah. and we'll discuss some more of this stuff again later on, man. So Sounds good. Awesome, guys. Anytime you want me on. Perfect, man. Thanks so much. Take care.
And we're back with Expanded Perspectives. Man, those are some incredible stories. You know, this is a subject, you know, we get we talk about lots of subjects on the show, and people email us every week. We get hundreds of emails, people talking about their thoughts about this, or what mm-hmm. we said, or what one of the authors said, or if we are aware of this website said. But for whatever reason, this this topic, this one little topic of dog man to me, I don't know what to think about it, man. It just seems so fantastical, but why not? I mean, yeah. it's just as fantastical as something else, but what appears to be a large upright walking canid and some of the dogman stories they actually look like werewolves you know they look like something from the howling or american mm-hmm. Wolf yeah then others say that they kind of look just like a dog but the dog is walking for whatever reason mm-hmm. and so to actually talk with witnesses eyewitnesses like he's talked to and he even says he can tell he'll he'll ask them a series of questions about their encounter and then without out of the blue he'll call them up unwarned a couple of days later Ask basically the same questions, but in a different order. Try to throw them off. Yep. And after he does that four or five times, he says, you know, you can, he's right. You can kind of catch somebody yeah. where they start messing up on their answers because they, you're not, you're not trying to lie, but you catch them. Well, you just, you're and right. And these people, he says every time that they seem not only certain about what they saw, but it has changed their life and like it really has influenced them. And I can only imagine, I mean, I can't imagine coming face to face with something like that. And I'm sure if I did. It would change my outlook on everything. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, man, I'm with you when it goes into the whole idea. And like you said, I don't. We've we've covered this, folks, and we talk about this on on this show about certain cryptids or even certain stories. Is why do some feel more familiar and okay to to go along with than others? You know, it's like you have an internal jumping off point that you will entertain, but you're just entertaining it for the fact that somebody else is entertaining it. And I've been guilty of it in the past. When we started this show, we've talked about it, you know, and your thoughts change and things change as you go and and you get, you know, you get biased in the, to the point to where you almost become one of those people that, that you talk about, that you don't want to be like. And for me, Dogman was that way. And I guess the reason being is because I couldn't wrap my head around the fact and I still can't. For some reason, the idea of a, of a chimp or a giant monkey or giant ape or whatever is I can I can see that. Because I'm used to seeing, you know, when you see them on television or online, an ape or a primate walking upright at times. You don't see dogs walking upright like this, right. and especially at this size. So for some reason, for the longest time, I had a real hard time going, this dude's just lying. That's all this is. Is you know, Such your first instinct. It was. And one of the turning points for me was when we interviewed those two fellas that had that encounter because they were genuinely shook up. And we talked to him and interviewed him on air. And then the stuff we talked to him about off air, I mean, it was a real personal thing to share with how they felt about what had happened. And then it was really interesting to hear DW talk about the same things and how these witnesses felt in the presence of this. And it goes back into like we've talked about with the, the Chicago Phantom, like we've talked about with the, the Mothmans in Chicago, up to the points of what he's discussing is there is this strange feeling of lack of a better word that people always use is evil or for that you yeah. get around those that you don't get around Bigfoot. And I don't know why that is. Dog's man's best friend. Yeah. But when you see a seven-footer walking around out there, and, and like you said, there's a lot of, some of them report seeing, and that's what's funny, is they don't follow the same criteria. Some of them look like the American werewolf, you know? Then some of them look literally like a German shepherd on his back. Just walking legs, around. Just walking around. And then some they even go to say look like built like Bigfoot with just a dog face. Yeah, or I mean, even a, a body of a human being, like yes. a jacked up, you know, Aware a guy man. that's totally yoked, you know, with, <laughs> right? a, with a wolf head. I mean, yeah. it's different every time. Very I love it. unusual. And what's, you know, I know people have said that, well, there's been sightings of this throughout history, but I'm pretty well versed in the paranormal, and I don't ever remember more, prior to 10 years ago, hardly anybody ever reporting seeing these things, and now it's like people are reporting it all the time. So, is it because people are more aware of Dogman? Now that they're seeing him more, or they're misidentifying Sasquatch with a dogman, or for whatever reason, is dogman sightings increasing because there's more of them? I don't know. Remember, I even talked about it on the whole segment where we did the history of the dogman yep. with the mm-hmm. Native Americans and the dog, and the, and there was some funny stuff back then. Even though, is that they were like, are they shaman or are they a different you know breed? And there is a lot of story that now look, it could all just be hearsay, and you know, and you don't really know as you have to plan it out over all these years. I mean, nothing like be physical. Else. 
Exactly. We don't really know. It is odd. Like I still, like we talk about, I think the very first time I ever heard about it, it came from Thackerville, Oklahoma. That's the first one I ever Before heard, yeah. I'd even heard about Linda Godfrey's books. Mm-hmm. It was a Thackerville, Oklahoma sighting by a man turkey hunting. And yeah, that I was remember. Like, yeah, and that was the first time that I'd remember ever hearing about the whispers of that before I really knew. I mean, I had heard of Linda Godfrey and what she, but I'd never read her book, you know, up until after that. And that was when I was like, oh, okay. You know, you don't really know how to feel. I remember that story. And then I remember the Beast of Bray Road that Linda did. And then mm-hmm. the other one I heard of is like uh, the place between the lakes or something that took place like in Kentucky or something. Mm-hmm. There was somebody in an RV and they were being attacked. But outside of those three stories, like I never heard of a dogman sight. Yeah, and then as we get into it, you find out about the one where they came up to those people's houses and they were looking at the second floor on them. And yeah. then remember, it just it starts when the, the wrecker truck driver, the tow truck driver, had one in between him and his truck. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, things start getting carried away, and then talking to DW and you listen to these stories. I don't know how to feel. I still don't know how to feel about it because, like we've said, I've never had that encounter. It's never happened to me. So, I mean, you can show, I guess, like a type of empathy or support for people that have had it happen, but you still don't know what it's like until it happens to you. I don't want it to happen to me. I don't want to see one of those. I'm mm. I'm out on that whole deal. But I love these stories. It's very intriguing to me. And it's very intriguing that a lot of it's been taking place in the South that he's been dealing with, in Mississippi and Louisiana. There's a lot of that going on down there. And I'm just like, man. You're right. You know, you would think it would come from, but no. You know, I don't. So I don't know. You got to check out his it. channel. Check out his channel, folks. That's Dark Waters on YouTube. Pretty cool. Let's talk about our sponsors real quick. Don't forget about Gaia.com. That's G-A-I-A dot com forward slash expanded perspectives they're a great sponsor they're a video streaming service with over seven thousand titles they have three plans to choose from a three-month plan a monthly plan and an annual plan sign up now and your first month is only 99 cents after that it's 9.95 a month they have one-of-a-kind shows over there incredible you got to go over there and check out our bud the d-man the dolan that's right and false flags it's a great show it's a program that's only available on gaia but you got to use the promo code Gaia.com forward slash expanded perspectives. And don't forget about Book of the Month. I love it. My daughter loves it. We get a kick out of it, folks. Like I said, it's one of those things. They do the hard work for you. So don't look, don't walk away from that. Go ahead and give them a whirl, folks. Go to bookofthemonth.com slash expanded. Bookofthemonth.com slash expanded. Get your first book for only 10 bucks. That's right. And Dollar Shave Club, fantastic products they have over there from razors to the Dr. Carver shave butter to everything. They got beard oil, pomade. I used it before I got here, these razors. Check these cheeks out. I got it lined up. Lined up, baby. Right. Go to dollarshaveclub.com forward slash expanded. And don't forget about Elite. Expanded Perspectives Elite is another show we do every Friday. You have to go to the website, expandedperspectives.com. Click on the Elite tab and sign up. You'll get an additional show every Friday as well as access to the entire back catalog for now that will be ending, I think, in the next couple months. Also, if you have a story of your own you'd like to share with us, you can email the show at expandedperspectives at yahoo.com. You can follow the show on all forms of social media. You can even call the show if you like, 817-945-3828. Cam? Yes, sir. Yes, What's your plans for the week? Dude. I am in a madness of grinding right now to get, I have to get all my work done, which is quite a bit I've got going on right now in the next four days because I leave Friday morning to go to Florida. That's right. Yep. So I have a ton to get going on. So yeah, that's that's the way my week looks is it's going to be a beating. But you know, I expected it. You know how it always is. Everybody, when you get ready to go on some sort of vacation, always. it's always like, oh man, you know, and all that. But I know when I get there, I'll have a good time, but it's that buildup that makes you just want to just go, man, I really don't want to go. Oh, I also went and watched Dark Tower this week. As long as we're talking about Dark Waters, I'm going to talk about the Dark Tower. Okay. Went and checked it out. Jam up. You'll I, like it. I remember that book series. I never actually read that one, and that's one of the few ones that I didn't read that Stephen King wrote. Well, you discussed it a while when you and I first talked about it, and you brought it up right as I was younger when I found it, and mm-hmm. it seemed a very daunting task for it to be like an eight-book trilogy, or I guess it would be an elegy. What is what is eight? Octology. 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 Well, <laughs> when um, I remember back in the day when that was popular, I think there was only three or four out. Yeah. Now there's eight. But I remember as a youngster being like, oh, that's a little bit too much, because those Stephen King books can be quite thick. And Lord of the Rings was enough you know what i mean and then you get involved in those you're like dude i don't know if i can do this one but yeah it was a great movie i really enjoyed it yeah it was fun that is cool well everybody i hope has an incredible week stay out of trouble folks for you elite members will be speaking to you again on friday for everybody else we'll talk to you again next monday i'm kyle filson he's cam hale oh peace y'all